0: You are listening to the Survived to Thrive podcast with Amy Miller, a podcast for survivors of suicide loss. In this weekly podcast, you will learn more about your unique experiences and gain insights on your brain and how it processes grief and loss due to a loved one's suicide. While suicide grief comes in all shapes and sizes, Amy shows you that you still can have a life full of joy and fulfillment even though your loved one died. You don't have to just survive anymore. You can thrive.
1: You are listening to the Survived to Thrive podcast with Amy Miller, episode 14, Avoiding Our Emotions. Hello, how are you friends? So thankful you are here with me today. How was your week? I hope you had a really good week. I just got back from visiting some family and spending time with my sisters who are both in expecting babies due in March, which is one of them is in the first portion of March and the other one is in the last portion of March. And we threw a shower and it was just so much fun. It was so great to spend that time with them and to celebrate such an exciting time in their lives. And To just spend some time with our family. It was just fantastic. And I appreciated every second of it. And I hope you had a great weekend as well. So thank you for being with me today. I've been thinking today a lot about avoiding negative emotions. And many times when you go through a lot of intense emotions, right? Especially, particularly in the grief process, It can be such a challenge, right? It it becomes very challenging. And the grief process, when you're going through the grief process, it varies from person to person, right? Some people may experience very intense anger, but very little denial. And some people will experience intense sadness, but very little anger, And some people will experience each stage of grief intensely, just one at a time, right? They'll experience one stage very intensely, and then they experience the next one very intensely. And it continues on through all the stages like that. Some people will just experience all of those intense emotions at once, right? And it becomes very overwhelming. Others might deal with just a prolonged stage that they just can't seem to move from. Like maybe it's anger, maybe it's bargaining, maybe it's, you know, denial. I don't know. It's just something like that, maybe questioning. And they just seem to be in this stage where they just can't move from it. Right. And others will spend very little time in a stage or not at all. I know for me, I experienced that where I did not feel angry for very long. I only felt angry for, a few hours. And after that, it just, it never revisited that emotion, just never revisited for me. So I guess the point I'm trying to emphasize here is just that, you know, we're all going to go through that grief process in a different way. And each stage is going to probably be processed differently, just depending on our unique situation, our unique experience, and our unique relationship with our loved one. Right. But I feel like that a lot of survivors end up in this place, in this place where they begin to just feel numb, okay? Or where they're just trying to avoid the negative emotions. And what I want to say about that is that it's very normal. It's a very normal process. It's a normal place that people end up. But a lot of survivors can sometimes end up there for a very prolonged amount of time. And it really affects everything in their life from their careers to their family life, to their goals, dreams, and desires, right? Anything that they used to look forward to, they no longer look forward to it, right? They somehow lose their dreams and desires because so many survivors really hold on to this idea that either they no longer deserve to have those dreams and desires anymore, or they just can't imagine achieving them without their loved one that they lost, right? And so my question for you today is, is this you? Can you relate to feeling numb or feeling like you want to avoid these negative emotions? That's what I want to talk about today. So in order to discuss what I want to talk to you about today, we first have to preface this with understanding what our primitive brain is and what it does. So, our primitive brain is the brain that our ancestors really had. They had a primitive brain because they were out in the elements and they needed to use that primitive brain to help them survive. It it was a used as a motivator and a protective mechanism in a way, right? Because it would guide them to look for ways to keep themselves alive. Okay. And our primitive brain tries to avoid and resist discomfort. And we can see that when we go through grief processes and go through emotions after the grief process, our brains are just totally against it. It wants to avoid it at all costs. And if that doesn't work, then our brain wants to resist it. And it's a total normal response since our brain's job is really to keep us alive by avoiding pain and discomfort. And I feel like that the response most people resort to instead of feeling their emotions is to avoid the pain. If they don't avoid it completely, they try to find ways to lessen the pain and So many survivors resort ultimately to trying to not feel their emotions at all or to avoid them. And I think it's because many survivors go to a place of emotional fatigue and it's a place they end up because they are tired of feeling intense emotions and they just want a break, if you will. So instead of feeling or processing anger, for example, they try to ignore the anger or they just try to not feel it, right? They try to buffer, if you will. So I want to talk about this because I feel like this concept of buffering is something that's very important to mention here. Okay. And to really discuss, I know I've mentioned buffering on podcasts previous to this one, but I didn't go into much detail about it, but for the sake of this podcast, I really want to Go into it more deeply since this method is what many survivors end up using and it's something they can easily get stuck in. Okay, so buffers, by definition, according to dictionary.com, are any intermediate or intervening shield or device reducing the danger of interaction between two machines, chemicals, electronic components, etc. Or a person or a thing that shields and protects against annoyance, harm, hostile forces, etc. Or that lessens the impact of a shock or reversal. Now, when I think of buffers, I think of it as something I use to protect things I cherish from harm. Okay. Now, I have moved several times. Okay. I have, oh, I'm trying to count. Maybe seven times from state to state. And even in those state to state moves, I moved within those states other times as well. So I know I've moved well over a dozen times. So I got to be really good at moving. And what I did was I wrapped all of my cherished items with things like bubble wrap, shrink wrap, you know, paper wrapping around some of my glass items. I would use like those styrofoam peanuts in boxes to help protect the fragile items. And I would use like these blanket protectors that I would put on top of like my dressers and my wooden furniture to, to help buffer it against friction, which could cause damage. Right. And so it works great, right. To do all those things for our furniture and glass items. And it's a real life physical example of how buffering works to protect from harm in the world. But what's interesting is that our brains that think that buffering works with our emotions as well. Okay. So hang in there while I explain In my life coach school training, I learned that emotional buffering is, okay, quote, when we use external things to change how we feel emotionally, it's something we do to keep from fully experiencing our lives because we don't want to experience any type of negative emotion, right? We feel entitled to feel happiness and pleasure all of the time. Close quote. Okay, so because we live in a world that offers a variety of ways to feel pleasure, right? Think about the commercials that we see on TV, right? And how they entice us with pleasurable things. For example, delicious meals or delicious foods or sweets, right? Or alcoholic beverages, right? They try to entice us. They try to entice us to have desires of items like beautiful purses and jewelry and shoes. Okay. These are just a few examples of what they are trying to do. And they're really good. These companies are really good at enticing us because they're really trying to encourage us to shop for these things that we really don't need. And companies are smart and they really use our desire to seek pleasure to their advantage But not only do they use that desire to their advantage, but they also entice us with heavy doses of concentrated pleasure. Because what happens when we receive heavy doses of concentrated pleasure, it gives us a dopamine hit, which in turn creates us a desire for more of it, right? And this is how people get addicted to items, right? Get addicted to things, get addicted to alcohol, to sugar, to food, to get addicted to shopping. Okay? Um those are just a few examples. But I think it's important to recognize that the reason why we want to use buffers, okay, is because it does give us that dopamine hit and dopamine just feels really good, okay? And A lot of times when we're experiencing a lot of negative emotions, we want to not feel it. And so it's natural for us to seek that dopamine hit, okay? But the reality is, is we can't get enough of it, which creates a continuous problematic cycle, okay? So I really wanted to point out what the most common buffers are. Are okay, and when I read my list, I want you to notice which of these you tend to gravitate towards, okay? Or if I fail to mention the one that you do, I just want you to make note of that in your head, okay? I have this particular thing that I used above her, okay? But whatever it is, I want you to just take a mental note, okay? If it's on my list or if it's not on my list, okay? So here's my list the first one is food, and then there's sugar. Alcohol, shopping, pornography, Facebook or Instagram, right? First, Facebook and Instagram is one that I te- tend to gravitate towards. TikTok, YouTube, phones, you know, binge watching Netflix or television, sports or gambling or prescription medications or illegal drugs. Now, these are just a list of those common ones, okay? So take note, okay? Okay. Which one of those do you gravitate towards? Okay. Now that you've taken note of that, I want you to consider what it, what it would be like if you had no more access to that buffer and how you feel. Okay. Do you notice yourself tense up? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel some sort of discomfort or pain? Okay. Just notice it, whatever it feels like, just notice it. Okay. So now you probably can see why it's so challenging for our brains to give it up. Right? Because it's uncomfortable. Okay. So you might be wondering why you would want to consider giving up your buffer, because the truth is when you buffer, you aren't fixing the issue. Okay. Instead, you're creating a net negative because not only are you still dealing with the negative emotion, right? You'll have to deal with the consequences of your choices or of buffers, right? So if you think about it, if there were no consequences, you would probably want to just continue to use those buffers because most of us want to feel that dopamine hit continuously, you know, throughout our lives, right? But the consequences are going to creep up. For example, say your choice of buffer is food. Okay. If you're going to give in to the buffer and not fill your emotions and eat instead, you're going to cause weight gain. You're going to cause adverse effects to your overall health, right? You might have higher cholesterol or cause issues with your blood sugar, right? So there's going to be a compound effect, right? Because you're creating more negative things for you to deal with. And while in the moment it may feel like it feels better in that moment, you're not facing the emotion, right? You're not facing it. And it's still going to be there, whether you face it. Or not. Okay. And then utilizing or, you know, using your buffer to help you avoid it is just going to create a double negative in a way. Okay. So now you might be asking yourself, okay, so I get it. Right. I understand that not processing my emotions and using buffers to escape is going to create extra negativity right in my life, but I'm not quite sure how to do it. Okay. And what I want to say about that is that it begins with giving yourself permission to experience an emotion as it is. Okay. So if it's anger, allow yourself to experience anger, if it's sadness, allow yourself to feel it. Okay. And I think while you're allowing yourself and giving yourself permission to feel a negative emotion is really quite powerful because most of us have grown up in a time where feeling negative emotions, right? There was something wrong with you that something wasn't right. Something has gone terribly wrong, right? But what I want to tell you is nothing has gone terribly wrong. Everything has gone right. Your brain is doing exactly what it is supposed to do. It's supposed to experience both negative and positive emotions. We need both. Okay. All right. So the way I like to look at this is there are two options or two different beliefs to believe. First one is it's either that you're supposed to feel happy all the time, which will perpetuate your constant desire to seek false pleasure, or to understand that life is 50 50 for everyone. And that experiencing negative emotions are part of the human experience and that we are all capable to feel those emotions. Okay. That's what, how we are built. You don't have to avoid them. We are built to experience them. And because our brains are conditioned to avoid pain for survival reasons, you probably will always have some sort of urge to try to avoid them. But being aware that that's what your brain is trying to do and to it will help you to recognize that hey, okay, I'm feeling like this urge that I want to turn to alcohol because I don't want to experience this pain, right? If you're aware of what your brain is trying to do and give yourself permission to allow that negative emotion to be felt is going to help you to take control back, right? And to me, that is the best news ever. Because I like to be the pilot of my life. I like to be in the driver's seat. And that gives me my control back. And you, my friends, also can decide. You can decide to get your control back as well. All right, friends, that's it. I hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Survived
0: to Thrive podcast. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends and write a review on iTunes. Also, check out survived-to-thrive.com for more information and to subscribe to get the podcast's latest episode, along with useful tips you can begin to use immediately to feel better, directly sent to your inbox.